Hi, welcome to Story Guts. I'm Alice Lai. And I'm Molly Curran. And we're and here to tell you what the stories we tell tell about us. Yes. <laughs> Why did you look at me? We, I, I thought we agreed that this is... You took a breath as if you were going to say it. Okay. Okay. All right. Where the stories... Wait, where we explore what the stories we tell tell about us. Right, right. Yeah, we don't use... We don't say tell three times in a row, uh, traditionally. <laughs> Except in all the other times I mess up the intro. Um, so this week, uh, we are talking about forests and um, both the arboreal phenomenon and forest gump is the only forest that I know. Oh my god. This isn't a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the second time you tried it. I know, I know. Look, look. Sometimes you have to like just, 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 just try it again. <sighs> I should have guessed. Tell the audience. Well, maybe one of the ten people who listen to our podcast will appreciate it. Hey, ten people is more people than I ever thought would listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, All right. But but for real, um, we're going to be talking about forests and specifically kind of like the the way they come up as both like metaphor, as like setting. Like they're, forests are just great. They're moody. They're full of mysteries. Um, and... Yeah, sorry. I mean, on. they just they, forests have a lot of connotations in terms of um, what what forests mean, what being in a forest represents. I mean, we famously have a phrase called "out of the woods," um, mm-hmm. like you know, indicating right. that being in the woods is bad, something bad. Um, <laughs> you want to get out of the woods, um, and and then also just there's a lot of really cool ways that forests get used in a lot of things that we like. Yeah, I think um, even specifically, like, in, like, Western conception, we have a lot of, like, go, like, just, just, it's, it's a very, like, metaphor-rich environment. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, going back to nature is another metaphor. Um, I was going to say into the woods, but I, I realized that I don't... That's just a musical, but it's, it's playing on right. the out and, of the woods. And there's Through the Woods yeah. by um, Emily Carroll, the excellent... Uh, horror uh, comicist, comicist, um, whose work is just great. I love the his face all red is one of her most famous works, but I think all her other stuff is amazing too. And I think um, when you think about forests, you really can't like one of the first things I think about uh, is probably Little Red Riding Hood. Now, the first thing I actually think about is Harry Potter, but I think Little Red Riding Hood is definitely more. Um, I mean, it's more fun in terms of like our western understanding of forests so yeah i mean i think i think that's a really good place to start and it's a good place to start in order to ask you know what what does the forest represent like what are the woods like Mm -hmm. what um are we what have we taken from sort of uh, little red riding hood or fairy tales where the woods are this space that um that that function in a um 
mythical way almost mm-hmm. what what is that what are the words right and i think i think um i was gonna say like you know obviously in in this in re- the case of little red riding hood the woods is you know danger but i think um it also represents like kind of a frontier um in a sense like if we're thinking about uh the original like settlers like colonialists of america um the first thing they do is they clear the woods away and then sort of like plow farmland sorry i'm getting away from little red riding hood um but this is something that comes to mind just because little red riding hood um there's a lot of kind of riffs on that just sort of like taking the the notion of the woods the wolf the the lumber and you know the the lumberjack you know whose role is antithetical you know cutting down trees um pushing back nature uh the whole um woods as like temptation right like the yeah i mean i think what you're getting at at least what i'm hearing is the woods represent a sort of wild untamed um place or space it's it's um we think of like quote-unquote civilization as being um you know ordered in a particular way and spatially oriented in a particular way Mm -hmm. um and the woods is sort of outside of civilization. It's a place that's still wild. It's a place that's dangerous, but also unpredictable and magical. Mm-hmm. Um, in in a lot of fairy tales, the woods is kind of where the villain retreats to, um, or just like just yeah melds back into. There are there aren't a lot of friendly woods. There's the hundred acre woods, I guess. Are they actually? I don't know. I don't remember I don't anything about Winnie the Pooh. That's oh, Winnie the Pooh. That's no, they're what... woods. They're woods. Okay. Um, but that's not fairy tales. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I suppose that's true. I feel like I'm I'm less convinced that the woods are only bad. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's also I'm bringing into I'm bringing into it. Um, because for me, I feel like Shakespeare is also like a very like foundational mm-hmm. way. I think of the woods. I think of mm-hmm. like A Midsummer Night's Dream, where the woods are a place where civilization falls apart. It's a place where everything goes wrong, but it's also it's it's just an inhuman space. It's it's meant for these magical fairies and mm-hmm. and and beings, and it's not evil. It's just um, so, it's things go awry there. Like right, it's, it's not for uh, it's not for human beings. It's, it's like this bacchanalia. Exactly. Yeah. More of a yeah. I guess that's even like calling back to like more of a um, you know like Greek mm-hmm. type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where we're, we're like we're, we're looking at like conceptions of nature right there mm-hmm. there is the there is a direct like the the woods the wolf and i think and you also bring up the great point that like yeah in the past it was just not not necessarily um back i mean not necessarily evil but like just a, a place of confusion a mm-hmm. place of like recklessness mm-hmm. or just even like other otherness other. mm-hmm. um and i think yeah sorry. like no, no no i mean i think I was just sort of thinking about, yeah, like, civilization versus the uncivilized and, like, maybe the the way in which we we see the uncivilized as sort of changing over time. Or, like, the different ways we think of the uncivilized, like, the quote-unquote uncivilized spaces or the, um, I don't want to say uncivilized because that's a very loaded term, but, like, yeah. the of uh, the absence of civilization, I guess, the untouched spaces mm-hmm. and what that means. And sometimes it's, like, a wolf. <laughs> and sometimes it's, like, Fairies, which will steal you away for thousands of years, mm-hmm. and you'll crumble to dust when you return, <laughs> and like touch mortal ground. 
And I think, um, and like, especially with Little Red Riding Hood, uh, there's just been a lot of sort of evolutions of that fairy tale, right? I think it, it's a very like, um, I want to say basic, but I, but that's not the right word, but it's like one of the first fairy tales. Like there's Jack and the Beanstalk, there's Little Red Riding Hood, there's the Three Little Pigs. Um, and I think the reasons for, I don't know about the other two, but for <laughs> Little Red Riding Hood is just, um, it's just very straightforward. It's like, don't trust strangers, don't go off the path. Like, mm -hmm. just do, like, yeah, like, just curb your instincts, explore, because, um, except the wolf does eat her grandmother, right? So, like, yeah, it's just, too like, late for her. Well, no, they cut her out. Right, right. Like, in, in other stories, the uh -huh. woodcutter cuts her out and everyone's chill. But, I mean, I think, like, yeah, and this is why, like, in the, in the musical Into the Woods, this gets very much sort of explicitly said, um, that, that going through the woods, you have to stay on the path. Little Red Riding Hood is told to stay on the path, stay on the path, um, and is tempted off the path by the wolf who represents, um, like, sexuality right yeah um and I, I, and sort of her ultimate conclusion is like okay maybe i shouldn't trust strangers i've learned all these things but on the other hand like i wouldn't have seen these beautiful flowers if i hadn't gone off the path so like mm -hmm. into the woods likes to kind of play a more um right and and that's actually a, a take i've seen a couple yeah. times where like the wolf isn't and you know this is it's not it's not like a, a totally out there take i mean i've seen it a lot where the wolf is like um like a sexually tempting and it's not necessarily even in a in a assault kind of sense it's just sort of like hey let's just like have some fun instead of going to like give your grandmother some dumb bread i mean it's 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 i don't want to do it it's puberty but like it's puberty like <laughs> right the red the red hood yeah mm -hmm. um yeah no i mean in the in the um there's a version of into the woods with bernadette peters um it's like an old recorded version of the stage musical and in it the and probably in several versions of the play the the wolf has like a large phallus oh yeah, um, yeah like I it's, remember. it's very clearly like this is a sex thing mm -hmm. um and this sort of harkens back to sort of what we were talking about in like the the woods as like untamed right as mm -hmm. in like this this primality that's like um like sensual erotic mm -hmm. Uh, and, like, away from, like, the stiff and staid mm -hmm. confines of, I don't know, yeah. well, the I mean, town elders. I mean, and I think that takes us back also to the, the Dionysian, right? Mm -hmm. The idea that's, like, the Bacchanal, the, the, the wildness of the forest, um, of sort of the animal nature gods. I don't mm -hmm. know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think what's interesting to me is, like, the... It, it was a very, like value neutral thing like I'm, I'm i'm not i'm like correct me if i'm wrong but from the little i remember about uh bacchanals is like they usually people usually did kind of terrible things like a mom killed her son thinking that he was a bull um was like a famous one i don't know you're the one who took latin yeah i know uh, was, well this was the metamorphosis um, oh i only got a few of those right but it wasn't it wasn't her fault i mean it was yeah i mean he tempted the gods and that all that never ever yeah. works out well. I mean, but I think my understanding also is, um, at least for like Dion Dionysus, right? His his followers um, are mostly women who would sort of like work themselves up into this um, 
frenzy. Frenzy, right? Yeah. Where it's this, it's like this releasing of some kind of um, something, right? Like something is kind of yeah, yeah, being. Uh, what, what am I trying to say? Pur- not purged, but like um, ejected, expressed, expressed. Sure. Um, um, projected? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying. It's like, it's the, oh, I'm just forgetting the word. It's the thing where you, uh, it's like cathartic, right? Cathartic. Like, or like, oh. like it's, or oh. being exercised even. Right, right, right. Exercised. Um, Expunged. Ejaculated. No, no, stop trying to say words. I figured out the words I meant. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, um, I mean, this, this does, um, I mean, this does remind me of the secret history. It does. Where? Um, so, spoiler alert for a uh, book that is like 30 years old. It's 30 years old? It came out in the early 90s, so wow. I guess not quite 30 years. Okay. 25. Damn. Um, we're old. <laughs> we're old? What are you talking about? We didn't read it in the early 90s. <laughs> I know. I guess you mean we're from the early 90s. Right, I know. We, we too came out in the early 90s. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so The Secret History is a book that is about a group of um, classic students. At Rich a, classic students. Yeah, they're at, a, they're at a private university. They're all, all but one are very wealthy, um, very over-the-top ridiculous. Um, just kind of imagine, like really annoying, pretentious private school snobs who also have a lot of money and their parents, like, kept them in some weird, like, cloister for a while. So they don't know how to socialize with anybody. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they all love, and they all love the classics. They all love Julian, who was, like, the weirdo. He's the teacher. The Latin teacher or the classics teacher, right? And then he he has this thing where like anyone who wants to study under him like can only take him for like all of their classes, and the not rich guy is like, wow, this guy is so cool. I'm he's the s- narrator, so the, the character who's not yeah. rich, of course, is your narrator, your sort of Nick right. Carraway figure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, very very much a Nick Carraway character, mm-hmm. um, and he's like, wow, this person's so cool, and all of these people are so cool and mysterious. I'm going to study with them, and like you know the head. The dean or whatever is like, what? Like, this isn't a path to success, my dude. You're going to study classics. Um, and only classics. And only classics for four years. Anyways, um, this is a sidebar, but uh, the guy Julian, who, do, who like, you know, forces all this, you know, students to only take classes with him, who famously apparently tries to think in Greek. Um, all of my classics teachers growing up would have thought he was, like, the shit. They would have, like, thought he was the coolest <laughs> guy in the world um which it, like without fail like i don't know i don't know if there is something about like public school latin teachers but like all of my like while being you know their own people etc etc you know um i kind of had the same mode like they really love puns um they really love classics they really love literature in a very like wry british way um anyways this is completely besides the point i just felt like i had to get that <laughs> off the chest off my chest um, <laughs> I needed to project it. I've never had a Latin teacher, so no comment. Um, I do picture them like Julian, or like the, the like terrible Latin teachers in uh, uh, The Raven Boys. Oh, the extremely old 23-year-old Mr. Yeah. What was his name? Croup? Crap? No, I can't remember. Trouble? Stop making noises. <laughs> it was a scene, um, right? And then, and then Mr. Green Mantle after that, right? 
Wait. Oh, was? Didn't he oh, become the... No, but... He, he became the new Latin teacher. I thought he was just like an artifact hunter. Mm, I think he becomes the Latin teacher briefly. Really? Is this a defense against the darts or dark uh, arts situation? Um, I guess I can spoiler, but... Uh, <laughs> For an entirely unrelated <laughs> an entirely, but, uh But remember because like Adam's like, whoa, he's hot. And then Ronan's like, holy shit, that dude killed my dad. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. like that dude ordered my dad's death. Right, yeah. Um, until Ronan stops going to Latin, even though it's his, like, best subject or whatever. Uh-huh. Anyway, we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> um, but what we were talking about... The oh, Rave... No, 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 no. The, the Secret, secret history. history. So the point of all of this is that um, because they're so obsessed with um, the classics and and... Greek and Roman mythology and, like, all this stuff, um, the characters, unbeknownst to the narrator, um, decide to have a bacchanal. Right. They um, give themselves completely over to, like, they, wild emotion. So they go out into the woods. They are very drunk. They're on drugs. Um, potentially naked? They're definitely naked. <laughs> they definitely have some kind of orgy. Yeah. Because um, originally the guy's like, I really heard you didn't invite me to your secret orgy. Yeah. <laughs> like, stop making this a sex thing. It's like, but you did, you did have sex, right? Um, uh, and so they, yeah, they give themselves over. One of them swears, at least one of them swears, like, Dionysus was there. We saw him. Multiple, yeah. Um, like, they really feel like they have this true um, experience. In the process, they do also murder a man. <laughs> yeah, and it's, I forget exactly how, but yeah, they're like... I think they just like, I, I think they like kind of like tear him apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, oh, I mean, they, they definitely tear him apart. I remember like, like teeth were involved. Yeah. Um, but I forget whether they thought he was a deer or whether they just were... I think they thought he was a deer. Or like they say later, like, I thought it was a deer. Like, you know, we... Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think they were thinking much at all. Yeah. Um... So, uh, a lot of that book is, like, how to get away with murder. Um, poorly. Um, and I think, I think it's interesting because, like, in, in this kind of situation, I always, the, the thing that always comes to me is about how much cultural um, interpretation is being done. Like, in the, in the secret history, for instance, we have uh, four rich, isolated, you know, wealthy kids um, doing what they think is a bacchanal, um, which is, you know, they're, they might be approximating something close to it, but they're really just reenacting what they read in literature. Um, and there's always this, like, like uh, this filter of perform. You know, it's like paleo, right? It's like people are like, oh, we're only eating what Molly just made. <laughs> Sorry, Very, like, I didn't, I, where are you going with this yeah. space? Keep going, though. Um, no, but I mean, it's it's like with stuff like paleo, where it's like you only eat what cavemen ate. And it's like, you don't know what... You know, you don't know what cave in it. You don't know, like in this case, it's like um, when 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 we're just like you're reconnecting to the to the ancient uh, rituals, we're reconnecting to Earth. Um, it's a very much like you're just kind of pretending, like you're just kind of pretending. You know, it's um, I want to I want to use the term cultural appropriateism, but it's not exactly it. It's just sort of like cultural, just totally making shit upism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that that makes total sense to me. I mean, I think, and you get that with, um, yeah, you're right with sort of any of these looking looking back toward this ancient civilization and trying to say with certainty, like, oh, this is how it was done. We are connecting 
with mm-hmm. with that we're replicating their practices mm-hmm. um but like fundamentally um you know even even with meticulous records which they're not <laughs> i assume i don't think they're probably i, I shouldn't say that maybe they are mm-hmm. but even with like meticulous records like we can't fully reproduce the the context and conditions under which these things take place yeah absolutely. i'm thinking more of like um you know we we sometimes have like copious notes of how like some of Shakespeare's plays were performed, Mm -hmm. but there's, like, originally, but there's no way for us to, like, replicate that entire staging um, Mm -hmm. because the context is going to be completely different. The audience is going to be completely different. Yeah. Um, Uh, Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, This is... um, There, I think the most honest thing I'm... Usually, I've seen, like, the most honest thing is, like, people just saying, like, where attempt we've like attempted to reconstruct it we've attempted to like mm-hmm. recreate uh this object but um we're just it's it's kind of just an educated guess like anyone who kind of claims they know exactly what they're doing um you should just be suspicious of them <laughs> well and I, th- I do think this circles back to the the question of the woods because i think in a way the woods are seen as um I guess this like mythical idea of the woods, they're seen as a timeless place. Right. Right. They're, mm-hmm. they're seen, the woods don't, um, don't age. They, they, they're ancient and they're timeless and like um, unchanging, unchanging. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're fixed in some way. So there's the, I feel like in a, in a way, like the, the magic of the woods feels even more heightened, um, if we sort of think about them as, if we think about the woods as sort of like an isolated, um, unchanging space in the midst of a world that is rapidly changing, mm-hmm. um, which is the world we currently live in. Right, right, and this reminds me of like, um, like Into the Wild, where mm-hmm. like, um, like the ki- like the main um, character, I forget the name. Uh, Christopher McCandless, I think, was his name. Okay, Chris. Can I call him Chris? I, I don't know. I'm not even 100% sure his name was. His last name was definitely McCandless. Okay, so McCandless <laughs> um, decides, yeah, like he decides to go into the woods because he's like, I've, I'm tired, like, I'm tired of this materialistic nonsense. I'm just going to like live connected to nature. And I think nature kills him. Um, yeah. Or like, they were like, this is like Grizzly Man, right? Like where um, he lived among the Grizzlies until one day the Grizzlies just ate him. Like, it's, um, it's like this anthro, like, we're, and I, and I think I'm also being a little bit unfair, because in both cases, these people kind of knew the risks they were taking. They weren't necessarily, um, just, you know, taking off in the woods with no water supplies, but it, it sort of speaks to the, the romanticism of, oh, sh- of, like, the, yeah, like, the untouched wilds. Um, uh, and I think, like, untouched being good rather than untouched being kind of chaos like what mm-hmm. um well i think it's untouched as in in not chaotic but wild mm-hmm. um but also untouched as in unmastered mm-hmm. so i don't know if there's a desire in that in that like we're going to the or quote unquote returning to the um you know wild unmastered space i don't know if there's a a a desire of mastery in that mm-hmm. i don't know this, this idea, okay, yeah, yeah, this idea that, like, an unmastered space, like, we are, you know, like, we're taking, like, quote-unquote, like, technology and whatever, and we're going to 
master the space that's like obviously not equipped to deal you know deal with modern sensibilities uh and i think that's interesting because we look at um uh, what you're talking about primal and wild spaces got me thinking about like are there like wild like you know we don't experience truly wild spaces now um or like spaces in that in that sense do you know what i mean no like the like kind of like anything can happen like anything can happen um it's it's very like at this moment um like the wilds like if we found ourselves in the mm-hmm. wild it'd be very adversarial it'd just be kind of like a oh my god i'm going to die out here unless oh I get you, yeah because we because it's not something we've like right really like ver- versus something like someone with maybe foraging experience or like woods experience who's just sort of like this is the direction i need to get back like i'm kind of mm-hmm. lost but like it's it's like it's all cool yeah. Um, the closest analog I can maybe think of is maybe like the internet or something where it's like, I mean, this is, this is kind of a stretch, but it's like anything can happen, um, or whatever. Uh, and there are, are scripts for what you need to do in like unfamiliar or dangerous situations, but you're fairly certain you can like backtrack out of them, mm-hmm. um, versus like now when we like, and, and sort of this is going, getting at the point that like, because we have such a, we have a different relationship with the woods than maybe people um, who are more familiar with them in the, before like the advent of like large suburban areas and uh, metropolises, um, our relationship with the woods have become romanticized even as we've become alienated from them. Well, and I think it, it, it is really important to note here that there are still definitely people who, who live in or near or rely on nature. There are still people who have some kind of closeness to the woods. Like, there are yeah, plenty of absolutely. people in, in rural spaces. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. So, like, we're talking definitely from a particular perspective yeah. here of people who are from um, urban, suburban spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's actually something I also... I mean, I did I did also want to bring that up. It's like, you know, you can sort of see the, the difference in opinion when, like, you talk to people who, who do, like... Um, who are familiar with the wild air, like, you know, who are, who, who like, you know, are experienced with foraging and stuff. And they're like, you know, deer are vermin. Like we really need to keep their populations down versus like, um, and like animals are, you know, animals are animals versus mm-hmm. kind of, uh, my instinctive reaction, which is always like, Oh my God, it's a deer. Like they're so cute. And like, or like, it's a wild animal. They're so cute. And it's like, don't get close. They'll bite your head off. Okay, that's definitely not my instinct with a okay. wild animal. Well, but... not, not all wild animals, <laughs> but I mean... I mean, and I, I do think it's it's also interesting to think, because I'm from, I'm from the Midwest, um, so I'm used to, like, vast tracts of... Um, tracts of... Um, unpopulated by human land. But so much of it is still... It's farmland, right? It's mm-hmm. It's... It's, um, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's in use, it's in human hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I don't know that there are that many spaces that haven't been touched by human hands, right. but, um, but there is a difference between, you know, the, the forests of, you know, the Ozarks or something and, uh, the, the cornfields in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think just, uh. Just the the fact that the cornfields in Nebraska have been uh, have been tilled, have been gone over, um, 
have been kind of planned. I mean, mm-hmm. like the planned and exactly. planted, yeah, um, make them fundamentally very different. Mm-hmm. Though I think I think it is interesting, and this is definitely going off track a little bit. But I think, like you know, we're in we're in the era known as the Anthropocene, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so it's worth maybe it's worth thinking about, like even places that haven't been touched have been touched. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like the the human influence on the environment is is universal. Like it mm-hmm. is. There is no space that it hasn't affected, um, and mm-hmm. no space that it won't affect. And that's sucks Uh um yeah okay so if we're thinking about we're thinking about the 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 woods as a um as a mythical space you know as a space that we're thinking of that has a lot of um is imbued with a lot of meaning i feel like um the raven cycle very much literalizes that right Mm -hmm. like caves water so it's there's a forest called Caves Water um, that is a magical forest that that sort of works to the whims of the these like four or five teenagers who enter it, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's a dream space. You, it, it it is it is a it is literally a place of magic mm-hmm. um, that is a unique kind of bubble in a um, sort of everyday kind of world mm-hmm. oh I th- are you finished that, that that was all i had to, i mean i probably have more to say but i oh okay yeah i mean <laughs> i think um and the connection with that in um in the raven cycle uh is that it's it's kind of this source of primal magic like the one of the subplots in the raven cycle is one person ronin is it ronin well it's no ronin. both ronin and adam well, okay, so so Ronan, um, he has the ability to take things from his dreams. His dreams are able to like manifest in um, in the flesh, which becomes very uh, interesting and problematic for him at times. Um, but ultimately, we we learn, and again, spoiler alert. But ultimately, we learn that Cave's Water. Is something that Ronan dreamed. It's a it's a it's a place that he created with his dreams, um, but it's a space that that the the main characters of the book have been going in and out of for um, you know for multiple books, mm-hmm. um, and so so Caves Water is sort of like deeply bound up with um, with Ronan in ways he wasn't even really aware of, and <laughs> there's also a plot where another character Adam. Um, basically offers himself to the forest or like the powers of the forest. This is before they know that it's like a Ronin dream space. It's just, <laughs> right. it's just kind of the forest. Um, they know it's magical and he, he kind of offers himself as a, a vessel to them. He says, I will be your eyes. I'll be your hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he has a very, um, the force kind of like lives inside of him after that point. Like he, he has this relationship with, with it that, um, he, he has to pay attention to how it is, how it's doing, how Uh sort of magic is flowing through it, but it also protects him. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, there's a very, um, notable scene. Um, Adam has an abusive father and his, there's a scene where his father, um, 
is is threatening him and yelling at him and Adam sort of retreats into thinking about Caveswater, about about this magical forest space and a um a like spike like a, a a plant spike or whatever like comes out and like pokes his dad uh-huh. um like protecting him um so I, I it's been a long time since i've read the raven cycle uh what exactly how how does the chronology work about ronan dreaming up caves caves water again or i think he did it when he was a like like he, young. young, I think so. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't realize it, that it's his until later. And he's like, oh, duh, of course it's mine. Like, that's why. Because in, in his dreams, the place that he goes is Caves Water. Okay. So so we're going back to um, kind of like filtered one uh, through one layer. Like, um, the forest as both idol and I- idol and a source of danger and mystery, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in the, in the first book. Um, and I guess this also puts a different uh, lens on Ronan and Adam's relationship, uh, just cons- considering that they become uh, boyfriends later in the books. I think mm-hmm. like book two, book three. Definitely in the last book. Last book. It's in the fourth book. Oh man! All right. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think I think so. I mean, I think there's 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 something to be said about the the way that they are connected i mean honestly the way all of the characters are connected um through caves water through this magical forest dream space Mm -hmm. um to a degree that that um it it um i don't know what i'm trying to say like i just i feel like okay okay yeah i I was was, um is there any way i guess is there a way you can lift that out of the raven cycle in a broader context I know that's that's kind of like Well, I mean I think I mean I think it's similar to what you see in A Midsummer Night's Dream. It's similar to what you see in Into mm-hmm. the Woods. It's all these disparate um characters coming together in the woods, being brought together mm-hmm. through the, the, the magic and danger and excitement of the woods. Yeah, no, I mean that's great. I, I was just wanted to um just like make the yeah. thread more explicit. Yeah. I was I wasn't No no no, I wasn't I I was okay. I was trying to do that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's perfect. Um so, like, we're talking about the woods as a place of, um, of community, of, of, uh, of, like, or of, like, a, oh, sorry, you, no. I mean, or, or, like, a place that inflicts traumatic experiences on a group of people, and they grow closer as a result. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a place... The original team-building exercise. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a place that you go into and things you don't expect to happen, happen. But the thing is, you always have to come out, right? You can't mm-hmm. stay in the woods. Mm-hmm. That's I feel like that's just like a fundamental rule of the woods. You can't stay in the woods. Yeah. So we, we sort of have this... Um, so, like, going over what we've said so far, we kind of have... Uh, these sort of like looking at like like modern like you know sort of modern urbanized conceptions mm-hmm. of the wood uh versus sort of um past concept like or like we're talking about Shakespearean conceptions mm-hmm. um as well as just like the idea of the woods as being danger but kind of like mm-hmm. sexy danger <laughs> like or like dangerous danger yeah like thrilling danger yeah. I guess I yeah you're right like it's it's never without um the like it's never truly without risk. Um, 
but it's it's something that like there it's like a quest mm-hmm. right it's like a there's like a certain certain um pers- journey of personal growth which is interesting um because we always see the woods as you know we it's easy very easy to link the way we see the woods as the way we re- uh, relate to like nature with a capital n or mm-hmm. like mother earth and this uh and you know the way we've described it so far is like it's a very ethnocentric approach right like the the woods like sort of earlier when we're saying like the woods as the original or i was saying you know woods as the original team building exercise the wood mm-hmm. as the og escape room or whatever mm-hmm. um that's in service of something you're not and like and the way like and you said you know um you have to come out of the woods right so uh what what do you mean ethnocentric ethnocentric is like it's um in, I mean, anthrocentric, I guess. Okay, right? okay, yeah, that yeah, makes sorry, more sorry. sense to me. Um, um, yeah, yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. Okay. Uh, in service to someone. Uh, like, not just in and of itself. Not it's... in and of itself. Like, you, when you enter the woods, uh, like, in these narratives, um, you don't you don't become part of the woods because if you become part of the woods, you don't leave the woods, right? And you have to leave the woods... Um, because a sense of individuality or in individuation or whatever mm-hmm. is so closely tied to um, our conception of what change, like what actors are, mm-hmm. what uh, what's. So what does it mean in the Raven Cycle that that Adam does have the the forest inside of him, or what does it mean? Spoiler alert again, that Gansey. Is, is is the forest is remade by the forest is mm-hmm. the closest approximation to Gansey that the forest can assemble from itself right right like, and, and a simulacra of the true Gansey I think that's a great question I think that's such a I, and I think that's interesting also considering um how like this is very raven cycle centric but if we think about the woods as um, and outgrowth of Ronan, I mean, we sort of see the the relationship, you know, his relationship with Adam maybe foreshadowed by the fact that Adam is, um, that we, we sort of see Woods as extension of Ronan. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, when we get to, Ro- like, the Gansey being created by the Woods, um, I think it's very, inter- it's like, it's complicated because Gansey, as created by the Woods, uh, in the context of this story, unlike uh, Adam, who was like, I will be your eyes, I will be your hands, and then works in the books to, like, repair the woods connection to nature um gansey is just kind of a gift it's just sort mm-hmm. of like here you go blue like thank you for and like here you go gansey in a sense mm-hmm. like we're if we're not returning you back to life we're at least giving blue a way to like not grieve for you mm-hmm. um i think that's that's i mean i think that's <laughs> oh. i just remembered and also blue is half tree <laughs> Oh yeah, and then blue. Yeah, okay, and then blue. Blue is the the main female character in the series, and um, you find out eventually that her 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 dad was a tree mm-hmm. nymph. I don't know if that's the right. Word. Yeah, or or <laughs> a like dryad? a dryad of some sort, mm-hmm. um, wood nymph, uh, just a person who avoids responsibilities by merging with a tree for forty years. Like <laughs> we don't know. Um, I think this is a great question. I, I would I would love to sort of talk about like would love to sort of think about how um uh it maybe it's like talking about integration in a sense or like talking about the uh 
but I, I just don't really think Maggie Stiefvater really oh, thought I, about I that. Oh, I don't think she did either. Um, um, but I think it, it does raise, so there, there, you know, there's a really thriving field happening right now in the humanities of sort of like eco-criticism, mm-hmm. um, like really thinking through how we culturally understand nature, mm-hmm. our relationship to the world, um, like, so, yeah. so many things. And I, I mean, I, I do feel like in the Raven cycle, in many of these things, there, there is something, um, I mean, there's a clear sort of like basic, the sort of basic divide of like nature and culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel that's sort of like, that's, that's what Midsummer Night's Dream is. You've got nature, mm-hmm. which is the forest where wild stuff happens and, you know, mm-hmm. there are fairies and people fall in love with the wrong people and all that. And then you have culture where everything is righted, everything is as that should as it should be, mm-hmm. um, and I think, but I do I do see these other uh, some of these other pieces like really problematizing that yeah um, that line whether they mean to or not and I would say really the Raven Cycle maybe more than others is really problematizing um, that divide. Mm-hmm. Like uh, in in what way exactly? I'm... I mean in in the in the ways that we were just saying like okay. in the fact that like. I don't know how you extricate Cave's water from Ronan or mm-hmm. from Adam or from Gansey. Like how how do you like the really like once they leave the forest, they don't leave the forest. They they carry the forest. Right. Them. Okay, okay, sorry. Yeah, I mean that I I wasn't totally getting it. Yeah, so yeah. um and I think this this brings up such a good point, like talking about eco criticism, talking about a little bit of what we've talked about with regards to woods as being like, uh, I mean, the giving tree is a famous children's book, mm-hmm. right? Where, um, I mean, the, the tree never asks for anything in return. And, and it's like, yeah, just chop me down and sit on me, sit on my stump because I can't give you no more apples. Um, <laughs> and that's, uh, and that's just such a weird, and it's, it's a book that's just kind of weird, right? It's, it's a like, very weird book. Why, and this sort of brings to mind um I mean, there's also Mother, which is a film kind of like obliquely about, you know, um, Mother Nature, like sort of um, talking about the relationship between like man and Mother Nature or God and nature um, and how like as sort of in this film, we sort of get this allegorical look at like how humanity has sort of just taken and taken and taken from nature um, without giving back. And Mm -hmm. I think it's, I mean, eco-criticism is really interesting because it, like, also reminds me of um, the uh, Broken Earth trilogy. Yeah. Um, which I love and which is sort of a very, like, what if the Earth was alive and just hated people for what they've done to him. Um, yeah. No, I would love to see an eco-critical reading of the Broken Earth trilogy. I think it'd be fascinating. I keep telling all my my friends in my program who do eco-criticism that they should read them. Have you read the third book yet? I still haven't read the third oh book. Oh my god. It's, I, f- I feel like there's a lot of themes that sort of come come out in the last book mm. that are very, like, very straightforward. And, and it is, like, kind of... Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there, there's a whole, like, the Gaia hypothesis. There There's a lot of, like, ways people complicate people like humans relationship to earth like there's i mean i mean the the traditional like first level small brain complication Mm -hmm. is is that you know humans as like a plague or a disease on Mm -hmm. on the body of you know gaia Mm -hmm. um 
And then further things is trying to kind of think, and then or like alternatively, like the there will come soft rains approach, where it's just sort of like we're like we're messing things up, but like the worst comes to worst, we die out, nature continues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know um, how to step up for a step out from that, but I do appreciate like um, your comments about the Raven cycle and. I think it's interesting, right? Like it's interesting that they they carry the forest with them, versus I mean, looking at something like Harry Potter, right? Where right. like we have what's the Wicked Woods, the Dark Woods, the Forbidden Forest, the Forbidden Forest. Okay, I knew it was like a alliteration, and the Whomping Willow, right? Yeah. Um, uh, the Whomping Willow had like hands in the movies, right? Um, I feel like I feel it like was, it, was, it was kind of like these like weird fist things. Yeah, right. Um, like in the it wasn't the most attractive uh, willow I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> the pummeling willow, yeah. Um, where it is like basically a realm of near certain death each time they go in. Um, yeah, maybe po- partially because Hagrid kept like unleashing like <laughs> horrifyingly dangerous like um, insects and well, they just. Just the, the one. In, just the one insect. Um, yes. I mean, yeah, I think I think obviously the Forbidden Forest is sort of this, like, extreme example of, like, what is in the forest is something that we, humans can't comprehend. It's, um, it's dangerous, but also it's sort of, like, mystical in ways that are even outside the reach of, of you know, witches and wizards. You've got your centaurs who are, um, you know, just weirdos, <laughs> but also, like... We understand that they're wise in ways that humans are not. Mm-hmm. Um, we know there are unicorns in the um, in the Forbidden Forest, and that's like a, a magical, pure creature. Um, but it's also in the same space where there are giant spiders, and mm-hmm. you know there are rumored to be all kinds of other evil things. And Voldemort's going around on like a in his like little cloak or whatever. <laughs> um, so I have a cloak. But I do think one of the things that's, I don't know if it's interesting, but worth noting if we're talking about Harry Potter, is the fact that, you know, the forest is where he goes to die, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. where he walks into his own death. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's, um, I've basically completely forgotten about it, but it is true. Like, it is, like... He's walking to his death in the forest versus, like, the the idea of, like, boundary crossing, the idea of, like, liminal spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, we well, see them... Sorry, go on. Yeah. I was going to say, and, like, I mean, at that moment, right, I feel like he's on this border because he's... He puts on the ring so he can sees see... It, mm-hmm. He sees his parents, he sees Sirius Black, he sees Remus Lupin, mm-hmm. um, so that they're with him as he goes to his death. Um, yeah, exactly. And the forest has this 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 liminal space, mm-hmm. this this limbo. And I think there's, um, I, this is just completely random. But like I was thinking about how Sleepy Hollow, um, the television show. Yeah, Sleepy Hollow. Rest in peace. Um, they had like purgatory being like this like weird foresty place, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm sure I could remember more examples of it if I if mm-hmm. I thought about it. But I don't want to, you know. Um, have to edit out 20 seconds of dead air. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think I think that's right. And I think it is important that it's the forest that Harry goes to to die because the chapter's called The Forest Again. Mm-hmm. Like, What was the first time? Was it the first time when he saw? I don't know. 
know. I can't remember what the first chapter of the forest would be. Right. Because um, I know, like, you know, one of the first times he goes in is with, like, when he's on detention. Yeah, in the first in the And first he sees book. Voldemort drinking, as yeah. Pearl, drinking unicorn, unicorn blood. blood. Yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, that would be really interesting to see if that's the case. Um, like, if that chapter's called The Forest. Mm-hmm. Maybe called The Forbidden Forest. Um, sorry, I'm getting quiet again. You're getting uh, very quiet. I'm sorry. <laughs> um... Yeah, but I, I think the the forest space, which is very interesting because it's not like we ever had the sense that Harry is like particularly attached to the forest mm-hmm. as a space. He just kind of gets into trouble there, but it's not like, like Hogwarts. We get he loves Hogwarts. Hogwarts right. is his home. The forest is something else. Yeah, um, I, I think that's so interesting because you're right. Like it, The forest doesn't play a major part in the series. The forest, like you said... The cl- like they go to the closest connections they have to the forest is that Hagrid's cabin is near there. Yeah. Um, well, and I think the other thing is that the the forest was important to Harry's father, to the Marauders, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. That w- that was, you know, they they would sort of transform mm-hmm. and like roam the forest. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Harry, he you know he went in the forest. Things happened in the forest. <laughs> But he didn't seem to have any great love for it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, no. I think I think this this really goes back. Like we're talking about the forest as the un, unformed, untouched wild spaces, and like, what a great metaphor for death. Right. Right. Walking of, into death. Yeah. Walking into, yeah, walking into death, walking into the unknown. Um, so the forest as death would probably be an interesting thing to touch back on. Uh, when we revisit but we are we're coming up on the end of our podcast thank you for tuning in and by the again sorry about the long delay um yeah alice was in taiwan she just got back yeah i just got back a few days so we um and i have very late classes um (laughs) several days a week so this was kind of the best day for us to record yeah so i mean we're hopefully this finds you well i think probably on anyways so we'll we're aiming for another one um, back to the normal schedule. Back to the normal so schedule. it be a week from this Monday. Right, as if this released on Monday instead of Thursday slash fr- probably Friday. Friday is more likely. Um, um, but anyways, continue to... Uh, anyways, so yeah, like I've been in Taiwan. It was kind of a trip. Um, I had to... I had like a sick grandfather that was kind of... There was a kind of a medical emergency, so I had to go back. Um, with my family to just sort of make to sort of just be there for him and for my mom. Um, I haven't really been doing like I've actually on um, Molly lent me the Argonauts and the Red Parts, both by Maggie Nelson for the trip. Um, they rocked. Yeah, I mean I devoured them and they were just stunning. Like I remember when I f- finished reading the Argonauts, like or as I was reading it, I had this like very. And I think this is such an interesting. Um, feeling I had I wanted to buy my own copy so I could highlight parts of it um, and you know there's something about like the the marking up of a body or whatever like I was like wow this is such a creepy stalkery possessive thing for you to do Alice to like, buy a book to like write in it um, no, but that's a really normal coming from a literature student that's really normal <laughs> uh, I mean I think you're right though there's something like when you want to write in a book that means like you you want there, there's something very possessive yeah, about yeah. it there's something about like like possessive, this but also collaborative i think that's mm-hmm. part of it i oh, think it's okay. i think it's you see yourself as in conversation with that book 
in a way that you're not just sort of passively receiving it, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, which yeah, I mean, yeah. in a case like the Argonauts is fascinating because she's so much in conversation with so many people. She leaves the margins. The margins are quite wide on the side of the book, and she cites a lot of things, and so she puts the citation in the margin. But because there's so much space on the margin, it like seems like it's inviting you oh, to, to really like cool talk to it. Um, oh, no. That's my, my feeling. Sorry. No, that's my awesome. Person. No, that's awesome. <laughs> Um, I've also been playing a lot of Stardew Valley, which I think a lot of other people, I mean, which is fairly famous. I mean, I can, I can recommend it. It's like a very chill farming game. You like go around planting stuff, giving gifts to villagers and like exploring the land of Pelican Town. That's very, it's very like, it's, it's a very relaxing game. Um, let's see what I've been doing since it's been a while. I finished um, Provenance by Anne Leckie. Oh, how was it? Which I really liked. It was very good. I enjoyed it a lot and would recommend it. If you liked her other books, you'll definitely like this one. Um, it's different, but it's, it's really, um, it's a really fun, but also like thoughtful story. Mm -hmm. Um, I also just reread Their Eyes Were Watching God by um, Zora Neale Hurston. It's an amazing novel. Highly recommend that as well. Completely different thing, but it's great. Um, and I'm currently reading Bastard Out of Carolina um, by Dorothy Allison, I believe. Um, and I'm, I'm reading that for a final paper that I'm writing for a class on Southern literature. Congratulations. Woo! Um, oh, and I read Winter's Bone, the novel of Winter's Bone. What? Um, oh, was it the one the movie was based off of, or is it yeah, a novelization? No, 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 it's, it's what the movie is based on. And it's it, it's really interesting because the book was written by a man, um, and it was good, but it, it um, there were certain differences between it and the movie that I thought were striking. Um, so I'll probably also be writing about that a little bit in my paper. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think that's been about it. I've been watching a ton of tv and movies but yep i mean i've i just caught up on the good place and brooklyn 99 we're seeing ragnarok oh yeah this weekend finally <laughs> well i mean it's only like a, a week late I right i feel like everyone else has seen it now it's okay. true um yeah i don't know i think that's about it yeah that's i mean that's about it uh oh stranger things oh, saw stranger I things season two still haven't finished season two. Oh, okay okay i mean I liked it. I think it was interesting. I think it's so interesting watching Stranger Things as someone who's completely uh, doesn't know at all much like about, the about the references. Yeah. Right, yeah. Like, and um, talking to people who do know it, like, oh, it's just reference after reference. And, like, I thought it was just a story about some goofy kids. <laughs> and, like, a mom whose house keeps getting wrecked by the supernatural <laughs> in every season. Uh, Yeah. Um, oh, one other thing. I guess I haven't finished it, but I, I have been watching American Vandal, which is, like, this sort of, like, parody of, um, like, murder documentaries, like, Making of a Murderer and Serial, um, except it's about the, it's about a guy who is, um, found guilty of, it's like a high school student who's found guilty of uh, vandalizing all the cars in the in the high school parking lot by spray painting dicks on them. And there's like very serious documentary work going into like proving if he's innocent or not. Um, and it's incredible. I, I, I'm only a few episodes in, but like every episode packs such a punch because it's doing the, the parody.
parody that it is doing or the satire is like so on point in every way. <laughs> it's incredible. Is that on Netflix? It's or? on Netflix. Okay. Um, all right. So I guess that might be yeah, it I guess then that, for, I that's it. Yeah. Thanks again for tuning in. Uh, remember that you can always contact us at storygutscast at gmail.com or tweeting at us at storygutscast. That's right. Um, and you can follow us at our individual Twitters. I'm going to give mine out. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Um, Mine is at the Molly Jean, and that's J E A N N E. And mine is at Alonculus, which is like A L O N K U L O U S. Oh, and mine's Molly with a Y, but you probably already knew that. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I just like, took it so much for granted. Um, anyways, um, anyways, Hi. thank you for thanks for thanks listening. Thanks for listening. Uh, um, we'll we'll have a new episode in a little um, like a week and a half or so. A little over a week. A little over a week. Um, I'm Alice Lai. I'm Molly Curran. And stay hungry. Well, I'm all right. hey, San